Hey everyone, we're back early this week, obviously on a short week for the Steelers now pregame scout as the Steelers get ready to host the Titans at Acrisure Stadium. I'm Matt Geica along with our Steelers now analyst, Derek Bell. And Derek, it was reality check time for the Steelers and I'm sure some of their fans this past weekend, a loss 20 to 10 at home to Jacksonville. Another one of those grinded out, quote unquote, ugly games, uh, you might say. But this time the Steelers don't find a way to win it. And in fact, it ends in a uh, rather sad fashion for the home team. So now they've got a banged up quarterback, a starting safety out, and just a couple of days to prepare as they get ready to play Tennessee. Uh, Mike Vrabel's squad comes in for a nationally televised tilt on Amazon Prime as the Steelers try to stay above 500 and stay uh, at least within striking distance of the top of what's become a tough AFC North. So uh, your quick impressions on the Jags game and uh, what that should make fans feel about where this team's going right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, man, that game was ugly, but it often is when we see the Steelers play. Uh, I thought the Steelers defense did enough to keep them in the game. You know, they had obviously the, the big Travis Etienne touchdown, uh, which we can talk about a little bit later. Um, but you know, forcing three turnovers, man, we, we talked about it. I think last week, you know, the, the Jags, fumble the football. Trevor will sometimes fumble the football. Granted, he didn't fumble. He threw the bad red zone interception. Um, the Jags are just more talented than the Steelers are right now. Like it, it's just, it's painfully obvious when you watch the two teams square up, um, even with, you know, getting those three turnovers, um, the Steelers were not able to take advantage of those uh, on the offensive side of the football. Wasn't really a big fan. I'm not going to go off on the total rant. Wasn't really a big fan of Tomlin's comment about the, the turnovers, not necessarily being the most advantageous, I guess, because, uh, they didn't set them up on short fields. But, man, like, you get three turnovers, you got to come away with more points. And they just didn't do that. So, um, you know, when the Steelers turn the ball over, they just don't have much margin for error. And, unfortunately, that's what we saw against Jacksonville. Yeah, bizarre comment from Tomlin that he just wasn't in the groove because it was a short week. I've never heard a coach complain about getting turnovers, but I guess yeah. there's a few times. We want the turnovers, but only if they're going to set the offense up for easy touchdowns. I mean, obviously that's preferred. Like, he's he's not wrong, but it's just like, yeah. dude, there's 5,000 things more, more <laughs> wrong with this team right now, especially the offense, than there is about where the defense is getting this said turnovers. All right. Well, uh, I guess the nitpicking continues or more than that. There are some serious issues, as Derek just said, as we get into first down here. And, you know, I like to look deeper, look at some of the analytics. And I enjoyed this number. Well, I don't, I'm not sure I enjoyed it. That's probably the wrong verb. But uh, I thought it was interesting. And uh, it painted a picture from Sports Info Solutions. The Steelers are on pace to have the worst uh, points added per play from their scripted plays, the first 15 plays of every game. Uh, that'd be the worst um average points added per play on record if they continue at this pace not talking the whole game they're not killing it in that category either but especially the first 15 plays of every game this year uh, they're giving back points they're giving back yards uh to the field and it's not even close it could be a historically bad season in that area for matt canada's offense so let's start there are you seeing anything different from those first couple of drives that uh, would cause them to be this bad compared to what we're seeing throughout the rest of the game? In other words, is the scripting just terrible? And that's putting this offense in a, in a hole early on in most of these games. You know, man, I really can't see a ton of just wide open answers in terms of what they're doing different early in games as opposed to late in games or when they're good, when they're not good. Um you know, but it's it, the numbers are very troublesome. Like you, you mentioned some of the um, info from um, SIS and dude, like you just look at 
every single number in the first quarter of games. Like Kenny Pickett's near the like at the bottom of the league, uh, pretty much across the board in important statistics in the first quarter. You look at the Steelers run game, which we thought that that was going to be the identity for this team. You look at the Steelers run game in the first quarter this year, um, 33 carries, 74 yards. They're averaging less than two yards per like two yards per carry on carries in the first quarter. I mean, you you're not establishing anything on the ground, can't throw the ball. And even the Jacksonville game was a perfect example of this, man. They they just even when the plays were there, like somebody messes it up. Like the first series of the game, they get a they're running a smash divide against a split safety looks, a perfect play call. Deontay Johnson right down the seam. Kenny hits him with a good throw. I mean it it's maybe an inch too far, but it's a good throw. It needs to be caught. Johnson drops the football, you know, and then, you know, you get a holding penalty. Um, he gets sacked on the second play of the game. Chooks gets blown back by Trayvon Walker. And even like a series or two later, they have a third and short. They decide to throw the football. They're running a snag concept to the left side of the field. George Pickens dust Darius Williams on a corner route. Like he's wide open by like five yards. Pickens underthrows it. So it's like, they can't get out of their own way, even when the, you know, I, I don't think anybody's extremely impressed by some of the stuff that Matt Canada's doing, but even on the off chance that guys are getting open or they have a perfect play call against the coverage, they still can't do it. And in the run game, they just don't, they just don't sustain blocks. They don't generate any type of displacement. It's, it's ugly football really all around. And when you talk about the running game too, you have noted a few times on Twitter, I noticed it this week, that um, perhaps the, the running backs aren't making the, the proper reads. You've talked about it a couple of times. So you've pinned it as much on running back reads as much as it has been on offensive line play. Um, is there anything to uh, an idea that uh, maybe someone like a Najee Harris just uh, is always going to struggle in that area of decision making? And, and maybe it's best to go to a guy like Warren more often early in a game throughout a game. I don't know. I'm just grabbing, grabbing at straws here. Try to yeah. figure out a solution to this. It, it's it's really tough because uh like I said, similar to the passing game, man, like it's it's not always one thing. You know, the, the offensive line has had their fair share of struggles. We talked about particularly Mason Cole struggled a lot this season. Um, but you know, it's football's a team sport, you know, it's an eleven person uh unit on offense. So one person messes it all it takes is one person to not be on the same page and like that's what you saw on sunday like dan moore attacking the wrong shoulder of the edge defender on uh one of their gap schemes um you look at they were running i think what's what some people call is like tackle wrap or dart they were running a play against jacksonville later in the game in the second half and naji instead of letting dan moore you know get out and they're pulling him to the right side of the field instead of letting him get up to the second level and hit the linebacker and then make the read off of that he just blows right past him and doesn't show any bit of patience whatsoever so it's like you know and even um even when they were successful last week like uh we talked about them being the number one rushing team uh in success rate against the rams Jalen warren missed a wide open hole but that probably could have scored on the same play he scored on later in the game so it's just it's so, you know, players are going to make mistakes, man. But that's that's the thing. Like when you're not overwhelmingly talented and you're so young on offense and you've got a coordinator that's receiving a lot of we'll just call it well-deserved criticism right now. The margin for error is very slim. So all it takes is one mistake. And, you know, these type of frustrating games happen. One thing I recall from when the Ben Roethlisberger era offenses were really clicking was the Steelers seemed to score on that first drive. Uh, repeatedly. I felt like it happened more often than it didn't, or at least they got into field goal range and put some points on the board. So 
can that be underestimated the the impact of uh, of a rough start compared to a good start for an offense because football is such a situational game and when you're ahead you can call things so much more differently than you can when you're behind yeah absolutely i think the way that you play or come out of the gate on offense can often dictate what you do on the defensive side of the ball it can allow you to be a little more aggressive with the things that you do like that's one of the things and we can uh, again we'll talk about the etn touchdown a little bit but um there some of the explosive plays that the Steelers are allowing on defense it's hard to get you know that as frustrating as they are it's hard to get almost extremely mad about them because it's like the defense sometimes I feel like may just feel the need to make plays that aren't there just because of the offense being so inept like you're trying to compensate for another the other side of the ball that's just giving you absolutely nothing and you know the Steelers are the script itself the Steelers defense has played pretty well with the exception of you know the Houston game or the San Francisco game they played fairly well this season um, and kept them in a lot of games even when maybe they shouldn't have been in um, but it's it's exhausting when you know you're just getting absolutely nothing from that side of the ball in the first half you know it's just like you're fighting a losing battle and to your point we'll move on to second down here Minka Fitzpatrick likely out for at least a couple of weeks here uh, we'll see how the long gap between this game and the next game against the Packers might be able to give him a chance to get back, but not sure. Looking like a hamstring injury, and we all know those can be difficult. They can be tricky even after you you come back. We saw Deontay Johnson still grimacing mm-hmm. last week, in fact, um, on the field. But he's not going to be there for the game against the Titans. Uh, we saw at least one glaring misplay from the secondary after Minka Fitzpatrick left the game. Uh, this past Sunday, you broke it down probably more on Joe, uh, Joey Porter Jr. than it was on DeMonte Casey or the or the safeties um, when Travis Etienne got behind him for the only touchdown the Jags scored in the entire game. But where do you think Fitzpatrick is missed the most there? Is it on the uh, the reads and, and the way that that secondary works as a whole, or is it just you're taking a talented guy away and that's going to force you to plug holes with players who maybe aren't quite ready for prime time? Yeah, I mean, like you said, man, I mean, the, the impact of Minka probably doesn't need to be, you know, broken down from a statistical standpoint. I mean, he's all pro, pro bowl, caliber player pretty much every season you know his arrival uh back in like 2019 or whatever really flipped the script for the Steelers defense you know they've been a completely different unit since he came um and he's had a big hand in like you know keeping a cap on some of these explosive plays maybe not as much this year because they've got him playing a little bit different of a role but um you know just replacing a player like that is never a one by like a one for one uh transfer you know there is no substitute for him on the Steelers bench the thing that I'm most interested in seeing is, you know, the Steelers have been heavily reliant on those three safety looks. You know, I would venture to say that they're um, just without looking, they're definitely top five still um, in the amount of snaps on defense uh, with three safeties on the field. I'm interested to see if that changes because it didn't last week. Um, you saw Miles Killebrew get in there a little bit um, after his injury, but I'm curious if that was a game plan. We don't want to pivot completely from, you know, the, personnel we were planning on using mid-game or if they try to do something different um, this week maybe some more dime or maybe just traditional nickel sets to just keep the two safeties on the field Demonte KZ Keanu Neal um, but yeah I mean KZ and Neal have not played particularly well uh, Neal got absolutely torched in coverage last week we saw that and then KZ even though the ETN uh, play wasn't on him like many including myself um, kind of thought so uh, in the moment, um, you know, he hasn't played particularly well. He did get the interception last week. That was awesome. Uh, terrible decision from Lawrence, but there are even a couple of plays that he left on the field. Um, 
on Sunday as well. So those guys are going to need to step up for sure in the absence of Minka. What were your impressions on Joey Porter Jr.? Mike Tomlin essentially confirmed that he has earned a starting spot. He's going to get the majority of snaps there at corner. Uh, you highlighted a couple of times, uh, both on the website, on SteelersNow.com, and also on social media about how he uh, had Ridley on lock for a lot of that game against the Jags. and just appears to be an airtight cover corner when given the opportunity here. So um, how, how how much and uh, in what ways has he impressed you so far this season? Yeah, I mean, dude, I- I'm telling you, aside from, you know, so on the touchdown, he gets caught peeking inside um, at the number two receiver breaking outside when he is supposed to be carrying Travis Etienne vertically. Steelers runner was called Stubby. Um, you guys can go to Steelers now and see a full breakdown of that whole play and how it played out and how it's supposed to play out. But KZ uh, and Porter, they, they took responsibility for the play. They they understand what, what they did wrong, whatever. But just in terms of aside from that play, Porter had an excellent game against the Jags. I mean, the, Lawrence tested him several times with Ridley. Uh, Ridley's their ex-receiver, so they like isolating him on the backside of formations. They threw fades at him. They tried going at him with double moves. And, dude, he was just up for the task over and over and over again. Um, I did like a 25 minute film room breakdown on my channel uh, on Joey Porter Jr. And like a lot of those reps, man, just came across from Calvin Ridley. Uh, I know Ridley ended up with like 80 yards, but really all of that production, with the exception of like two short catches, um, were on other guys. So just the fact that he was able to do something like that in his first career start um, and we're only like midway through his rookie season. It just makes me extremely excited about what he could potentially become because he's improved so, so much in a, such a short period of time, and it's really great to see. Nice throwback for those of us Steelers fans of a certain vintage to see his, his dad. Oh, yeah. Season in the stands. Also the same day that James Harrison got honored um, by the Steelers as well, and he was yeah. fired up. He looked like he could get out there and, and still maybe. He was. There was a lot of sacks in the building on Sunday, <laughs> Sunday between Harrison, Joey Porter, TJ Watt, obviously. It was pretty cool to see all those guys in the same spot. Yeah, something about that uh, edge rusher position that has uh, captivated Steelers fans over the years because they've had so many great players at that position um, going way back, in fact. All right, on to third down and uh, back to the offense. And I hate to keep going there, but we got to keep talking about quarterback play. And um, this year in the NFL, it feels like quarterback play is a little bit down. It feels like defenses have had the edge. Um, a lot of weeks, if you watch only Steelers games, you would definitely think that was the case. Right. We haven't seen too many great performances on either side. But uh, two big mistakes from Kenny Pickett before he got hurt um, in that first half. And uh, one of them, the the underthrow when Pickens broke free down the left sideline in the first quarter. Uh, could have been a big play, could have been a touchdown. And then almost certainly would have been a touchdown. The misfire to Deontay Johnson in the second quarter. And yeah, he slipped a little bit, but it was because the throw was so far behind him. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a catchable ball. Um, two really bad mistakes. And yeah, quarterbacks make mistakes. It's a game of mistakes. It's a fast game. I'm not saying this is easy. Uh, but when you make these big errors and you leave huge plays on the board in a game when there aren't that many big plays to be made on offense, it looks like, and the Steelers offense has struggled, uh, it's hard to really express how how much that hamstrings you, um, isn't it, when you aren't able to get those easy ones? Yeah, absolutely. We talk about margin for error on offense. It just seems like the Steelers are just so, so slim. Um, And that just is the reality of what's going to happen the rest of the way for the season. That's not something that I think is necessarily going to change. Got to make the plays when they're available. And you mentioned, we already talked about the pickings uh, throw early in the game that was underthrown. I mean, 
the thing with Kenny, man, is just it's so strange because he's not he's not a fast processor of information. But there are certain times, especially early in games, where he he does have his eyes in the right spot and he just takes forever to trigger. Like the throw to Pickens was against uh, cover one. So the Jags are playing man-to-man coverage, but they have the free safety who's normally in the middle of the field. They have him shaded to the the backside because Johnson's one-on-one. The Jags are playing some backup corners. They didn't want to leave him one-on-one. So essentially, you've got no help on the left side of the field. Pickens absolutely creates – I mean, he does Darius Williams, who's a good player. Um, but he's staring him down, man. Like, he sees it all the way. Like, it's it's the right read. You just got to make the throw. And, like, even if he doesn't put it out there – you know, if he throws it with anticipation and throws it up the field, it's a touchdown. If he – even if you don't do that and just make the throw to the sideline, it's a big play. Like, those those plays are ones you can't miss. And then the play um, in, the, in the end zone uh, to Johnson – I'm not really sure of like what the progression should be, but typically when you get those motion to rub type combos, those are typically the front side of the progression. Pickett looks to uh, Allen Robinson. It looks like who's running a little stick and nod in the middle of the field and then gets his eyes back. But dude, it just, it takes so long. Like it it takes him so long to get back to Johnson who's wide open. Um, And then there's a little bit of pressure. So if you look at his lower body, like he's trying to throw off platform and that's why the throws, that's why the throws bad. So it's just, it's frustrating to watch every week because, um, you know, there, these things are like fixable in my opinion. Like he, it's not that he can't make these throws. It's just, he's not making these, even the simple throws with any type of consistency. Right, and you've mentioned the processing speed. It seems like an important attribute for an NFL quarterback, for sure. But especially and, for a guy who doesn't have the big measurables, right? There was all the talk about hand size. There was the talk about this offseason, the Steelers wanted him to build a little bit more muscle. Looks like he did so and build some more rotational power, try to get more zip on the throws. So, yeah, yeah he's not a flawless physical prospect or not a, a physical specimen uh, on the par of the top guys in the NFL certainly and so you throw in the mental side where he's not making the proper reads in enough time um do you feel like the mental side is holding him back more i suppose than the physical side at this point it it's it's really hard to it's really hard to tell because again i just keep going back to this phrase about um just margin for error when when you don't have those overwhelming physical capabilities um, the mental side, the processing speed, all that matters even more. Like um, I, I tweeted a clip of the incompletion that Lawrence threw, uh, stepping up in the pocket to Calvin Ridley over the middle of the field. I think Ridley needs to catch that ball. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but even then, like you look at some of the throws and just even the, the shot to ETN, like the anticipation from Lawrence, like you just look at some of the throws that Lawrence was making. And obviously maybe that's, that's not necessarily a fair one-to-one comparison because we know what type of, prospect trevor lawrence was but that's why we talk so much about the quarterback position it's because it's a quarterback league like it's not that we're trying to like pile on kenny when he doesn't play well or when the offense isn't moving through the passing game it's just that if you want to be a playoff team and like we we expect the steelers to compete for a playoff spot this season based on what they have on the roster um you're gonna have to match up with these other really good quarterbacks and like you know sunday that that was a little bit of a kind of a chance for him to do that against a really good quarterback in the in the conference and we saw what it looked like so um I'm still hopeful that we can like he's better than what he's played over the first eight weeks of the season like I think you and I both can agree that 100 percent 
Um, it's just getting him. We we just need to see some type of consistency and competent quarterback play over the second half, and the Steelers will be fine. The consistency is the thing, right? I think there's probably every quarterback on an NFL roster, starter or backup, Flashes. can make a, a couple of plays here or there. But, yeah, the, the real separator is can you do it 40, 50, 60, 70% of the time and Pickett just hasn't been there. Hasn't been close. A lot of games this year, just a, a wide angle look at the NFL. I brought it up at the top of this down, but uh, let's go back to it again. What do you think is going on? Touchdowns are down. Points are down across the NFL. I thought this was supposed to be an offensive league. I thought that uh, honestly, the rules are still called the same way. It makes it tough for defenders to do much uh, of anything uh, outside the very letter of the law. So it, it does feel like it's still angled that way in terms of how the game is being called and, and just the nature of it. But why do you think points are down? What, what are you seeing in other games uh, in addition to what we watch here weekly with the Steelers? Yeah, I mean, uh, this has been a, you know, if you if you look at the statistics around the league, it's uh, points are down, first downs, uh, red zone is really the big spot where NFL offenses are struggling right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that NFL defenses, uh, we're seeing some younger defensive coordinators. Of course, we got Jim Schwartz back in the league who's, who's um, you know, leading one of the better units with this Browns team. But um, I think NFL defenses have just, they look better coached to me and they're just more willing to stick with the game plan. And what I mean by that is like, you know, we've talked a lot about over the past couple of years, really since like that 2020 ish season or whatever. Um, when we started to see more like Vic Fangio stuff, more two safeties, more quarters, looks uh, teams w- being more willing to play with light boxes up front. I think that NFL defenses are just more comfortable living in that world and saying like, all right, we're just, going to keep a lid on the explosive plays that's another way that um nfl teams are basically um average and i think i heard a stat uh from the athletic it was like one or two less explosive plays per game this season as compared to even last season so they're just keeping more stuff in front of them and a lot of these quarterbacks just aren't capable of making these 9 10 11 play drives because of that consistency factor we talked about that's what NFL defenses want to do they want to make you try to go the length of the field in 12 plays let's see if you can be perfect in 12 plays and we're cool if we hold you to a field goal that's that's cool with mm-hmm. us so um i think that and then there's some other stuff too we've got a ton of really good edge rushers in the league right now maybe more than we ever have um so we've got some dominant pass rushers I noticed this. This was something that I thought about last night when I was watching Joey Porter Jr.'s film. I think cornerback play is up in the league right now. Um, And the difference is the young guys like Porter coming in. Like you look at some of the guys that we've seen come in and play at a high level recently. Joey Porter Jr., Sauce Gardner, Patrick Sertan. Some of the best corners in the league right now are on rookie contracts. That never used to happen. Like it was it was a unicorn if you could get somebody that could just go out there and start and not get picked to pieces. But I think some of that is in my eyes, I think about it as like seven on seven football. These Mm. kids grew up with seven on seven. So they're used to going out there and having quarterbacks just have all the time in the world and just sit back there and laser throws the receiver. They grew up in the back shoulder world where they have to defend these back shoulder passes. Whereas like 10, 15 years ago, that was just now kind of becoming more of a thing. So I think it's a combination of talent. NFL defense is just getting better at defending the run with light boxes and being more willing to just force quarterbacks to check the ball down. NFL just constantly moves in cycles, man. So, like, we'll, we'll see a change up from NFL offenses. Um, but it's nice to see the defense to kind of fight back a little bit this season, I think. 
Yeah, I suppose it's only a matter of time, right? Because you've got half the league trying to fight back against a, a burgeoning trend of, of offensive explosiveness. And it looks like they have certainly punched back and then some. So uh, there you go. If you like low scoring games, then uh, maybe the NFL is more your speed these days. Uh, speaking of low scoring games, the Tennessee Titans might have been your team up until last week. Uh, they scored 28 points as they beat the Falcons. That 28 points is their biggest output in nearly two years. So we think we have it bad here in Pittsburgh, uh, just as bad for uh, for the Titans. But maybe a glimmer of hope for uh, our boys in powder blue as they still have a three and four record. They're still winless on the road, but their rookie quarterback from Kentucky, uh, Will Levis, second round pick this past year, threw for four touchdowns in his NFL debut. That's just the third player to ever do that. Fran Tarkenton, that's a throwback. And uh, also, oh, geez, the name, uh, Marcus Mariota. Yeah, recently did that as well. So um, doesn't portend anything, but certainly a great start for him. Do you feel like that gives the Steelers a little bit more pause here as, as they get ready to see the, the Titans for the first time in a couple of years? What are you looking for in terms of a matchup, um, especially with regard to what the uh, the Titans were able to do last week on offense? Yeah, uh, that Atlanta defense, you know, has been playing pretty good this season, too. So it was uh, it was interesting to see the Titans play so well against them. Um, I I want to acknowledge that what Levis did in his first career start is extremely impressive, especially you look at the box score four touchdowns. You mentioned some of the names that are up there. Fran Tarkenton, Hall of Famer. Uh, it just doesn't happen very often. So kudos to him. I thought he made a handful of really, really high level throws particularly the throw he made where they moved the launch point to the right and he ended up throwing kind of off his back foot all the way back to the left side of the field. Levis has the arm, man. It is ne that's never been the question with him. He has an absolute cannon uh, on his shoulder. So there's definitely some tools to work with for him. I will acknowledge just as it pertains to what I think we'll see on Thursday, I don't think the students are going to let them do this to them. And the only reason I say that is because – Levis, the offensive game plan for him was extremely simple. So it was either screens, which the Titans run a ton of screens. So that's, but Jacksonville did too. So they're used to that over the past week. Um, but it's really either screens or shot plays. There's no like real like quarterbacking type stuff that they asked him to do on Sunday. And when they did ask him to do stuff like that, um, I didn't think the results were overwhelmingly positive. So I don't want to say it's like a fake stat line or anything like that, but it's not as maybe as impressive as the box score would look. Not to take him lightly, but I do think the Steelers defense will be able to hopefully put on a good show on Thursday night in front of the home crowd. And how about on the other side of the ball there? Uh, what are the Titans good at on defense? And how can the Steelers go about attacking and trying to find a weakness there? Yeah, so I got one more off the stat that I wanted to go over real quick. Sure. Um, yeah. Just yeah. just because I didn't want to only talk about Levis. But um but, yeah, the, the Titans offense still very much revolves around the running game. Uh, Derrick Henry, they drafted Tajay Spears. So, he's also a player that I really liked uh, at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he's he's had a really good season. Uh, what's really interesting to me is the Titans face more uh, stacked boxes than any team in the league, which makes sense. You got Derrick Henry. Teams have always keyed on him. He's used to running in seven, eight-man boxes. Um, what is really interesting, though, is – even though they very rarely see light boxes, they're the number one team in success rate against light boxes. So the Steelers, I'm interested to see how they play that. I would anticipate that they're going to stack the box and then trust their cornerbacks to go one-on-one -on -one against the, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks on the outside. 
Titans don't play a lot of 11 personnel. Like I said, I think you're going to see some shot plays. The big thing is just making sure that you're physical with Hopkins and Burks down the field because both of those guys will play through contact. So uh, starts to Derrick Henry. They stop Derrick Henry. They're going to have a good shot to win. Um, in terms of their defense, um, they got some dudes over there, man. Like Jeffrey Simmons, I think he's playing like the best ball maybe of his career. I mean, just even watching him last week, I, I'm not all the way through the Titans tape from last week, but even watching him, man, he's a freaking game record. Um, so he got to be aware of him. But they have some other guys that I really think are good, like role players, Danico Autry, Arden Key. They got a bunch of guys that are that can run stunts up front. They got a bunch of guys that can rush from different alignments, so that makes them difficult. Second level, uh, Aziz Alshair, he was somebody that I wanted the Steelers to uh, target in free agency. They ended up going with different players, but he's a good uh, player. No Kevin Byard in the in the secondary. They play a lot of split safety stuff on the back end. Uh, want to get into their coverage menu a little bit more, but they've got some youngsters playing on the outside. Uh, Christian Fulton, Roger McCreary, uh, Chana Bunting from uh, Tampa has had a pretty good year, I think, for them in the slot. So it's going to be an interesting game. I think the Steelers um, have some matchups on the outside, but again, I said that last week and they didn't take advantage of them. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see uh, how the how those matchups play out. And certainly no disrespect meant to Derrick Henry. Didn't mean to skip over you, my friend. I would never intentionally offend a man of his size. Well, he's so, so he's so steady, he's so steady, man. And like I always think about Derrick Henry too. Uh, talk about like running back shelf life. Usually, you know, guys get to that twelve hundred or fifteen hundred carry mark and they just fall off a cliff, dude. He's he's just trucking, and it's I don't think he's as good as he was maybe like three years ago, but he's still mm-hmm. playing some good ball. I mean, heck, he's freaking. I don't know late 20s now and he's still seeing eight-man boxes you gotta respect that yep uh 29 years old just looked it up but still 250 pounds so that certainly helps he's he's built for it runaway freight train (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh yeah so he's basically if you're going to draw up a a stereotypical prototypical power back you would create derrick henry in the lab so yeah certainly someone still to be worried about so what are we thinking here uh (laughs) Derek, are we thinking about another tight game, another low-scoring game? It certainly feels like it, doesn't it, with these two offenses especially? Yeah, I, I think we're going to get another uh, another ugly game. It's Thursday night football. Those games are very rarely pretty. I think that it's an ugly game. I do think the Steelers win. I, I, don't, I don't know what the line is for Vegas or anything like that, but I uh, definitely think the Steelers win. Uh, keep an eye on uh, the Titans have had – they've done a good job – slowly transforming their offensive line. Peter Skaronsky's healthy. He's playing good ball. Aaron Brewer at center. He's a solid player. Um, the big issue for them is the tackles. Uh, former Steeler Chris Hubbard, uh, I believe, has played a little bit that's, uh, throughout the course of the season, but I think he's hurt right now. Um, every time that I've ever watched Andre Dillard play, I've been extremely underwhelmed. I think he's going to play and start on, on Thursday night. Um, and then their other tackle, uh, Nicholas Pete Ferrer from Ohio State, He's not that good right now either. So this is going to be uh, – I expect a lot of 12 personnel from the Titans. I think, like I said, if they're going to throw the ball, it's going to be play-action shot plays. They're going to move the launch point. Anytime there is a one-on-one chance for T.J. Watt or Alex Hosmith, they should win those battles more often than not. I would just love to see what would happen. Like, T.J. Watt may break the sack record in this game if they could just <laughs> get out to a good start. Just get Tennessee down to, like, 14 to nothing – or I know that's crazy to even ask. It's it's sad that that's even crazy to ask. But like, if they could just get up a couple scores on Tennessee and force them into a little more of a negative game script to where Levis has to actually drop back and throw the ball, 
they could break records. I'm telling you, the Titans tackles are terrible. So um, we'll we'll see what happens, though. I'm not optimistic about the Steelers getting an early lead because it just never happens. But well, all the more reason to pay attention right from the start. 8:15 kickoff, Amazon Prime. We'll hear the dulcet tones of Al Michaels once again. That's always good. Uh, Steelers <laughs> by three is the latest spread I'm seeing here, which sounds about right. They're basically saying it's a dead even matchup. Uh, it, it feels pretty close to me. Um, at least from the uh, non-X's and O's perspective, just the general vibes of the whole thing. All right, uh, you can check out Derek's work at SteelersNow.com, often found under the plus feature. So uh, yeah, pony up for that. It's definitely worth it. I learn something every week. Also, Derek's on his own YouTube channel, which he alluded to. He's got extensive film breakdowns there, and uh, he's always posting little nuggets on Twitter slash X. So uh, for Derek Bell, I'm Matt Geica. We'll talk to you in a little bit more than a week as it'll be, what, nine days, 10 days before the Steelers get back on the field. But uh, this week, a little early action for you on Thursday night. See you later.